Welcome to Everything Scary. My name is Lynn, and I'm here with my sister Haley. My interests consist of everything true crime, but Haley, not so much. She signed on here to be with me and let me hurl true crime facts at her. And every week, my goal is for her not to walk out on me. I hope you like what you hear, and if so, please leave a five-star rating. And if you don't, thank you for your time. Here we go. Hi, everyone. I'm Lynn. And I'm Haley. (laughs) And this is Everything Scary. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Yeah? Are you ready for uh, the story of Typhoid Mary? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Do you know anything about Typhoid Mary? Yes, because you've told me some key points to it. So this one I'm not as out of the loop on. But Okay, well, I will start by sourcing my information. Um, I got my information from the My Favorite Murder podcast, episode 105, um, Wikipedia, History.com, and Britannica.com. This is an older one, so there's not as many sources. Um, This story is not technically one of true crime, depending on how you look at it. This is a true story that I've always found very interesting, and considering what we all just went through for the past two years with COVID, it seems topical. Are you ready to bust into it? (laughs) Let's go. All right, so this is the story of Typhoid Mary. Mary Mallon was born in Cookstown, Ireland on September 23rd, 1869. Cookstown was one of the poorest areas in Ireland. In 1884, Mary moved to the United States at the age of 15 to live with her aunt and uncle and begin work as a maid. I don't think we say maid anymore. uh, As help, I guess. Um, Hmm. From the years of 1900 to 1907, when Mary was in her 30s, she began work as a cook for affluent families. It was later determined that seven out of the eight families that Mary had cooked for had contracted typhoid fever. Let me take a second here to give you a little bit of information about typhoid fever. Typhoid is a type of salmonella poisoning. Uh, Today, we typically think of salmonella as being transferred by undercooked poultry, while typhoid fever is not transferred that way. It, unfortunately, is transferred from the fecal matter of an infected person and is then ingested orally by the person they infect. Lovely. (laughs) It is a very long-term illness and especially in the early 1900s often resulted in death. A few of the symptoms included a fever that would climb over the period of 14 days. After this, the fever would remain high but would plateau. Obviously, there would be severe stomach pain, headaches, weakness, chills, sweating, a flat rose-colored rash, inflammation of the brain, sepsis, swelling of the liver and spleen, and gallbladder infection. Jeez. Yeah, it's a serious one. Even still today, uh, if you get salmonella poisoning, it's very serious. Uh, In August of 1906, Mary had taken a position working for a wealthy banker, Charles Warren. When Charles and his family went on vacation from August 27, 1906 to September 3, 1906 to Oyster Bay on Long Island, Mary accompanied the family. During this vacation, six of the 11 of the family members had fallen ill with typhoid. The landlord of the property, understandably concerned that he was not going to be able to rent out his property after word spread of the typhoid outbreak, did what he had to do and hired several independent experts to determine what the source of the outbreak had been. These experts took samples of the water from the house's faucets, toilets, and pipes, only to rule them out as the possible source. One expert, a freelance sanitary engineer, Dr. George Soper, recognized the description of the Irish female cook from an earlier typhoid outbreak that he had been investigating. George set his sights on finding Mary and seeing if she could have anything to do with the sudden onslaught of typhoid. 
He had found it so strange. Where typhoid would normally strike in unsanitary and impoverished conditions, and now there were all these well-to-do families falling ill. And the description of the cook simply had to be more than just mere coincidence. Soon enough, Dr. Soper was able to determine that Mary Mallon had been a common factor in all of the recent outbreaks. Although he felt confident that Mary was the source, he was having a hard time tracking her down. Soon after a family had fallen ill, Mary would start work for a new family and would leave with no forwarding address. In late 1906, Mary began work for a family who resided on Park Avenue in New York City. As I previously stated, Mary was a cook. And if cooking was all she did, then we may not have this problem. Cooking food to a certain temperature would kill the bacteria and eliminate any risk of passing it on to people for whom she was cooking for. Unfortunately, Mary's signature dish was her fresh peach ice cream. And again, as previously stated, however unfortunate, this bacteria was transferred from fecal matter. In the early 1900s, personal hygiene wasn't what it is today especially since 2020, but the idea of washing one's hands after using the facilities was simply not as second nature as it is today. So it is to be believed that Mary had been mashing fresh peaches into a nice, cold, uncooked ice cream after maybe not vigorously scrubbing her hands after using the washroom, and that may be the cause of the sickness. Nice. <laughs> you just, you had nothing, Beautiful. right? <laughs> I didn't know about the peach ice cream, that's for sure. Yeah. So. Makes me never want to eat peach ice cream. <laughs> it was her signature dish. Yeah. Um, in Mary's mind, she was a picture of health, a strong Irish woman who simply loved to be able to spread a little joy with her signature dish. <laughs> She's spreading joy all right. <laughs> <laughs> Soon after, Mary had started cooking for a family uh, for the family on Park Avenue, George Soper had learned of an active case of typhoid fever that was taking place in a penthouse on Park Avenue. In the outbreak, Soper learned that the daughter of the family had succumbed to the illness. Soper followed this lead, and when he entered the home, he would later remember that he had handled himself as diplomatically as possible. But either way, he had entered Mary's place of employment and started advising her that she was a very rare carrier of typhoid fever. He told her although she felt healthy, she was passing this illness down to the people who were trusting her to cook their meals. And with that, he demanded that Mary provide him with a urine and stool sample. So to Mary, who in her eyes was perfectly healthy, standing in her place of employment, no doubt elbow deep mashing up some of that delicious peach ice cream (laughs) for this man to show up unannounced and start demanding she provide him with bodily fluids, she did what any strong Irish descended woman would do. And she chased him off with a carving knife. Oh, okay. No one had heard of such a thing as a healthy carrier. And from Mary's perspective, typhoid was running rampant all over New York City. We have to remember that this was a time before social media. It was before you would look on your phone to see what the weather was like before you'd actually look out the window. As a matter of fact, the telephone itself had only been around for roughly about 30 years and was far from being a regular household item. So all Mary knew were her surroundings. And everywhere she looked, there was typhoid. So Soper decided to try a different approach. He figured Mary had had time to process his last visit. So this time he asked for the assistance of Dr. Raymond Hoodler and chose to approach Mary at the home of her boyfriend in hopes that it was a place where she felt more comfortable and hopefully a carving knife wouldn't be as easily accessible. (laughs) Perhaps then she would provide him with the necessary samples. But again, shockingly, Mary refused to provide urine and stool samples to these two strangers. 
I just, don't... Uh, just clean under her fingernails. You'll find some. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame poor Mary, though. Could you imagine? That would, yeah, that is. That would be absolutely mortifying. But I mean, after you find house, out. Too. Yeah, that that is. I get it. But I'm also really wondering what goes on in the bathroom <laughs> with this woman. Like, <laughs> sounds like chaos every time she goes in there, you know? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> For lack of a better word, George Soper became obsessed with Mary and published his suspicions and findings in the Journal of American Medical Association. Soper then notified the New York City Health Department and investigators set out to arrest Mary, as she was now considered a public health threat. It, it does sound a lot like things today you know what i mean like, like COVID. i'm really impressed with this guy who's managed to figure out that she's involved in all this because it's 18 what 69 you said it's 1907 but oh it's 1907 i swear you oh she was born in 1869 you got it that's the the 1869 but it's still 1907 not not a good time and you're her. just going off of like a description of a woman and being like that's the source you know? i don't think there was a lot of irish i don't i could be wrong i don't think there was a lot of irish cooks in new york but who knows? But even if so, you wouldn't think that somebody getting sick there would be like, well, I had an Irish woman cooking in my kitchen. Like, that wouldn't be a thing you would, you would like, use as a reason why you might get sick, yeah. right? Yeah, no, I could. But I'm really impressed with this guy. Yeah, George Soper, is, he's definitely, he's the hero of this story for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, she was a public health threat. Poor Mary ended up being forced into an ambulance by five police officers and Dr. Josephine Baker. Dr. Baker even had to sit on Mary to restrain her while they transferred her to the Willard Park Hospital for Communicable Diseases, which was located along the East River in New York. Now, just to sidetrack for one minute, uh, because at first I was kind of horrified at the thought of somebody having to sit on someone to transfer them against their will. She sounds like a, a strong woman. Mary? <laughs> Mary was strong. Like for sure. I'm picturing a really big, strong woman. She so. she was hearty. Um, and she was Hold strong. That peach ice cream she eats. <laughs> she was a strong woman. I'll show you a picture of her at the end, actually. Oh, okay. Um, is it but, a drawing or is it that? No, it's a real, it's black and white, but it is a real photo. Okay. Um, I ended up looking more into this Dr. Josephine Baker. Um, she's that, kind of remarkable because Dr. Baker was a female and she was a doctor in the 1800s. Uh, but not only that, she was known for her fight against the damages of urban poverty caused to children and ba babies. And she and a group of nurses started training impoverished mothers on how to take care of their babies properly. And she even had a station set up where clean milk was given to mothers who needed it for their babies. That's nice. Yeah. And she's a woman doctor in the 1800s. That's crazy. She sounds pretty amazing. So, and she did end up, however, aggressively uncovering Mary Mallon as an asymptomatic carrier of typhoid. Okay. Sadly, for four days, Mary was strapped to a bed and was not allowed to get up to use the washroom and therefore forced to provide the samples that had been asked of her. As it turns out, Mary had massive amounts of the typhoid bacteria in her stool, and according to experts, that was an indication that the infection was centered in her gallbladder. Okay. Mary was quarantined in 1907 to North Brothers Island, which is a small island located along New York City's East River. She resided at Riverdale, Riverside Hospital, which was a hospital that's purpose was to treat and isolate victims of quarantinable diseases. I don't think three years ago I would have been able to say quarantinable that easy, but it's just such a yeah, second nature right. word nowadays. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Mary was all alone, aside from a small fox terrier that they gave her. 
um, they gave it to her for companionship. Mary is quoted as saying in one of her letters, I have never had typhoid in my life and have always been very healthy. Why should I be banished like a leper and compelled to live in solitary confinement with only a dog for companionship? It was recommended to Mary that she should have her gallbladder removed. This seemed to be the organ that housed the typhoid. If she would do this, she would be allowed to regain her freedom. But Mary refused, still believing she did not carry the disease. And at this time in history, a gallbladder removal surgery was a very risky one. Early on in her isolation, they had offered Mary the opportunity to rejoin join the public if she could simply make the promise that she would not cook for anyone ever again. Mary was very stubborn, and this too she refused. I love that, like, this is the issue, though. It's like, just don't cook for people, like... How are you getting poop in people's suits? You know, that would be my main concern because obviously something's going on here. And I get it. It's not like today where you go to people's houses and they have a nice fancy soap there and stuff. But like, I'm sure they had some source of hand washing in these bathrooms. That I you're mean, using. even just so, a good scrub with water. I know. And like, you know, not even once, like every single time you go to the bathroom, <laughs> like, don't you worry about that? You know, I would definitely be thinking like, I, what if you're touching your face after? Like, she must have got pink eye a bunch, I feel like. Definitely. I, I think maybe she was also an asymptomatic pink eye carrier. I guess so. She's just immune to everything. Maybe. Who That's knows? why she's not scared to poop. <laughs> George Soper had visited Mary on the island, and he had told her of his plans to write a book about her and give her the royalties. Well, what good are royalties when you can't go anywhere? And clearly by this point, Mary hated his guts. And she rejected his offer and proceeded to lock herself in the bathroom until they left. Not Oop, washing her. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to decorate this bathroom good. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> Mary also blamed Soper for the nickname the media had given her, Typhoid Mary. Which, uh, who would want that nickname? I'd be like, Pink Eye Mary. That's awful. <laughs> Luckily for her, uh, to your point... There had been some experts in the field who were staunchly against the involuntary confinement of Mary. Milton Joseph Rosenau, who was a public health official and professor in the early 20th century, and Dr. Charles Chaplin wanted to help Mary if she simply understood the importance of good hygiene when preparing food for others, then she would be able to demonstrate these techniques regularly while making peach ice cream. And problem solved, right? Once again, Mary did not believe that she was a carrier and declined simple hygiene. What? Like, <laughs> how do you decline that? I'd be embarrassed if I were her, you know? You Nowadays just be you like, would, but... I feel, back then, too. I don't think so. Because you do, it, you're not concerned that you have poop on your hands all the time. Like, you think anyone's going to want to come near you knowing that you're just covered poop all the time, you know? I mean, you know, back in the day, too, people would just go to the bathroom and put it in a bedpan underneath their bed. Like this was, it wasn't considered. This was in that time period. I, I don't was... know the bedpan time frame, to be honest with you, but they'd empty it out their window. Like there was people. Like I know we didn't always have toilet paper around and stuff, but like. Like you personally? Well, no, I'm saying <laughs> in the world, you know, I watch Outlander. So I know that it's, it's rough times back in the day, but that was like the 1700s. So I don't know about the early 1900s, but. I mean, the other thing, too, is, is like, what is she wiping with? Is it just her hand? Listen, the only thing I ask from you is that you come to this podcast knowing the history of toilet paper and you can't even do that. <laughs> I could Google it really quickly <laughs> right now and find out because I do. I'm curious now. I feel like that's something I'm going to be Googling before I go to bed tonight. I think it's important for you to know. Like, when did they add another ply or like when did they come out with one ply? It must have started with one. ply. You know, I don't even know that they had sinks in the bathrooms. I, I could imagine that they're. 
who knows? These but are then they're families. asking her to wash her hands. Fair, fair. She's got to have a hand washing source, you know. And I mean, it's not happening with other cooks, right? It's not like well, I guess other ones. cooks aren't asymptomatic carriers either. So who knows? It could be happening with every cook. You, They probably just were always eating poop back then, <laughs> you know? Like people just thought it was normal. They're let's like, not let's There's not put a little too much... bit of an extra taste here, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Okay. <laughs> Once again, Mary did not believe she was a carrier and declined simple hygiene. At some point, we do have to stop feeling bad for Mary. I get that she doesn't believe she is spreading this, but come on, Mary. Just wash your damn hands. Yeah. Right? With the help of several friends, Mary was able to send her own samples to a private lab in New York, all of which allegedly came back negative for the bacteria, which only furthered Mary's stance. Even the tests that had been conducted by the lab on North Brothers Island, only about 75% of those were coming back with positive results, which is interesting. In June of 1909, after two years and 11 months in quarantine, Mary was once again offered freedom. The New York State Commissioner of Health asked Mary again to agree to never cook for anyone again, as well as take reasonable hygienic measures to ensure that she would not be transmitting typhoid. <laughs> oh, Mary. Finally, on February 9th of 1910, Mary finally agreed to the condition and was released from the island. Now, I wonder... What happened with the dog? Uh, I looked yeah. up what a fox terrier looks like, and you're gonna, they're just about the cutest thing. And I think that they might be hypoallergenic. Look at this thing. How could you leave this guy behind? <gasps> I want one. <laughs> I've never seen a dog like that before. I, it looks hypoallergenic to me. He's absolutely. It kind of looks like a dog I've seen. Okay. <laughs> well, anyways, well, you know, we'll get to that later. Yeah, That'll let's be a different talk about podcast. dogs later. Okay. okay the dog podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll take the lead on that one. Thank God. <laughs> on February 19th, 1910, Mary finally agreed to the conditions and was released from the island. Uh, anyways, great, right? Happy ending. Mary was free. She just simply had to not cook for anyone, had to wash her hands. Pretty simple. No, we know Mary too well. At this Frankly, point. <laughs> I wish I was legally bound to not cook for anyone ever again. That'd be amazing. My kids would be like, can we have pizza? And I'd be like, my hands are tied here, guys. Order pizza. Yeah. That's it. You know the phone number. <laughs> um, but cooking was Mary's passion. That peach ice cream is, you know. You're craving it now, aren't you? I No, not, <laughs> not poopy peach ice cream. But ice cream, yeah, I could go for some ice cream, but not poopy peach. <laughs> and you can't, you simply cannot fight your passion, especially in a day and age where it's all too simple to just go by a different name and employers had no real way of checking. Well, Mary had started off taking the honest route. She was working as a laundress, which paid her about $20 a month. This was about a 60% decrease from the pay that she had been receiving as a cook. So after some time, Mary decided that she needed to get back into the kitchen and once again grace the world with her signature ice cream. God. She would apply for jobs under the name Mary Brown, ironically. Oh, uh, yes. don't want to eat there anymore. <laughs> Many of the affluent families that she was trying to get work with recognized her as Typhoid Mary, and she was having trouble gaining permanent employment. So for the next five years, she worked temporarily in restaurants and spas. I have seen it noted that everywhere that Mary had cooked, a typhoid outbreak was not far behind. Kind of sounds like Mary had a little lamb, but like <laughs> the poopy version. <laughs> Yeah, good. <laughs> so, for George Soper, though, he was seeing the rise in outbreaks and suspected Mary had something to do with it. She's back at it. 
She's, she's making that peach ice cream. I know it. But Mary was moving around so quickly that he was unable to track her down until 1915. In 1915, Mary started work at Sloan Hospital for Women, which was a maternity hospital. No. Yes. Come on, Mary. Come on. Mary, do better. And there's probably a lot of sinks in hospitals. There's got to be. Yeah. You're washing off those babies coming out. Yeah. Uh, soon enough, 25 people in the hospital were infected with the disease, two of whom would succumb to the illness. Oh. The head obstetrician at the hospital, Dr. Cragen, called jo George Soper and asked him to investigate the outbreak. Soper was quick to identify Mary after being a given a description by her co-workers. Mary again fled, but was tracked down and sent back to North Brothers Island for another involuntary isolation. I mean... Come on, Mary, just wash your hands. She just, but also like, she doesn't seem to have anybody in her life. She's just like. She had the boyfriend at the first half of the story. Yeah, but then he probably got <laughs> too much poop in his food or something and succumbed to that. But like, it just sounds like she's really lonely and then she just wants to spread her typhoid joy with her peach ice cream. Oh, it's, it just sounds like a really lonely life to me. Aw, poor Mary. Like, it, you could just cook food for yourself if you love cooking that much. You know, you're you're immune to it. You can eat your poop. It's fine. <laughs> she doesn't believe she's carrying it. That's the main, th that's her stance. I guess. She doesn't believe that she's doing this. So, uh, on March 27th of 1915, when Mary was 46 years old, she was given her own one-story cottage on the island. It's not so bad, right? I wonder if the dog came back. Yeah, they need to tell us what happened to this dog. Mm -hmm. And in 1918, she was granted permission to take day trips to the mainland, but had to return to the island for sleep and was not allowed to cook for anyone because clearly she was super trustworthy when it came to that. Sadly, Mary spent the rest of her life in quarantine. She suffered a stroke in 1932, which confined her to the hospital. Half of her body was completely paralyzed as a result and would remain that way for the rest of her life. On November 11th, Olivia's birthday, <laughs> many, many years before, November 11th, 1938, Mary would die of pneumonia. In some sources, it states that even after death, Mary had high levels of the bacteria in her gallbladder. But up until the day she died, Mary would maintain that she was not a healthy carrier of the disease. Mary was 69 at the time of her passing and had spent 26 years of that in isolation, surrounded by no friends or family. It should also be noted that there was only three confirmed deaths linked to Mary Mallon. It is presumed that the number is much higher, but impossible to prove and will never be known. It is believed that Mary contracted typhoid from her mother while in utero in the impoverished area in Ireland that she was from okay. and that she was born with a disease. And that is the sad, unfortunate story of Mary Mallon, a.k.a. Typhoid Mary. And I'm just going to show you a couple of pictures. Um, so the first one here. This is Mary being confined to her bed. Yeah, that's kind of what I pictured. And she's angry. Like, yeah. so that is not a woman that wants to be lying down right now. She wants to be making peach ice cream. Yeah. She's like, I just want some poopy peach, you know? <laughs> I think you've you've met the quota of times we should say poop in this podcast. There's a lot of poop involved in this story, so. I, I mean, it's a. It's Am I a getting cut off? <laughs> <laughs> but this is. Um, Oh, these are a bunch of pictures of my kids' Easter presents. Um, so there was a cartoon that was made. Uh, I don't think I took a screen grab of it. But basically what it was, um, was it was a drawing of Mary. And she was stirring a pot. And out of her mouth, there was a bunch of skulls going into the pot. Oh. And they had they had uh, titled it Typhoid Mary. And that was what was released into the public. Mouth, no. <laughs> but I mean, 
this was the early 1900s. I don't think they were making this. Keep it PG. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I I had to tell that story because I found it extremely interesting. And it's just it's not a true crime story, but it is very topical for today's day and age. It is. And I I expected her to look a lot more like dirty, you know, because it sounds like she didn't do a lot of. Do you see that picture of her lying in bed? It looks like she has a full quaff in her hair. Like she looks like her I hair's know, done. But I I was gonna I was expecting like mud streaks. Well, maybe not mud, but <laughs> you are focusing so hard on that one point. Well, it's a pretty big point to the whole story. Like clearly you always have poop on your hands if that's what's happening. I mean, you but know? you do see those studies nowadays that like restaurants you find like in their ice buckets there's like two yeah. percent traces of fecal matter yeah. and stuff like that so those, i can like, imagine full of mints that people take good grief of. don't ever take that's why everything's pre-wrapped nowadays yeah i know like but even so it's on the wrapping you touch the wrapping and then and you pop it open with your mouth with your teeth yeah people do that yeah typhoid these, we, people are still eating poop these days well thankfully sure. um the vaccination for typhoid uh i believe it was around I should have noted this, but it was when Mary was still alive. But then the um, the penicillin that would cure it if you got it instead of being vaccinated for it uh, didn't come out until like 1942 or something along those lines. So we're so safe. At we're least. good. Yeah. <laughs> but still wash your hands. Yeah. But and now we'll just never know if we ate poop or not. So. So my takeaway is everybody just stay clean and wash your hands. Yeah. And hopefully we'll see you again on the next episode. Hopefully we didn't say poop too many times for you on this episode. <laughs> I think this may be the only one we say poop that many times. No guarantees. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here. Bye. Yeah, thanks. Bye. <laughs>